Just a quick warning that we will be discussing heavy themes like pregnancy loss, abortion, religion, suicide, death, mental illness, and as always, big existential questions. This is an unbleat version of our thoughts as they come to us. Hello and welcome to A Hopeless Endeavor, a Joanna Newsom podcast. Today we are talking about Cosmia, which is the last song on Ease. Uh, my name is Sam. I live in Vancouver, British Columbia. And I'm Nikki. I live in Ithaca in upstate New York. And you guys, it's so fucking sad. <laughs> the last song of Ease. Yeah, so we've worked our way through this album one song at a time. Uh, we've covered Emily, Monkey and Bear, Sawdust and Diamonds. Uh, we did a multiple episodes on Only Skin. Uh, and I think we're both pretty heartbroken to be finished this album. Um, I, I know I learned so much working my way through this album line by line and just like filling up my brain space with these images for the last uh, eight weeks few months My has God, been, me too. <laughs> <laughs> been really, really fun. Um, but I also feel like we worked through it way too quickly. <laughs> so if we missed anything, please let us know. We would really love to do an episode like answering your questions about any themes or any questions at all you have about any of the songs on Yeast. Um, but I think we will do an episode probably up next about like the imagery on the album art. Um, yes. So yeah, that might be a shorter episode, but at least you can hang on to East for like a little bit longer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, neither of us are ready to let go. So please, um, I think you guys still have time uh, when this comes out. Send us questions, comments, whatever. Uh, we would love to hear what you guys have to say. Uh, additional theories about any song. Uh, it's all fair game. Yes, please. Okay. So this last shortest song on East 2 which I, I didn't even check the exact time, uh, the amount of time that the song is, mm. but it's still something like seven minutes is my guess. Um, seven minutes, 17 seconds. Yeah. Seven minutes, 17 seconds is the shortest one. <laughs> yeah. It's <which is> crazy, <laughs> but it's still, it feels short. Like it feels like there's like not a whole lot because of the contrast with other songs. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see where we go. Yeah. And I said to Nikki, like I, in doing the research for this, I feel like because there is so much repetition in this song, I feel like my notes are really, um, quite tiny compared to a lot of the other songs that we've covered. Um, but, but I tried my best <laughs> to kind of like address everything that I heard. There's just a lot more, um, repetition lyric, uh, considering the lyrics in, uh, in this song for sure. Yeah. Um, mine too, normally, like, so on average, taking, if we like divide only skin in half the way that we did when we recorded it, my like average has been like seven to 10 handwritten pages of notes. Wow. And for Cosmia, I'm only at four, nah, like five. Sure. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Um, I think one of the first things that I wanted to mention was that we received this incredible super concise um, and really easy to listen to video from our listener, Av. Uh, I believe they submitted via email. Um, 
And he just kind of explains in really general terms um, what is going along, what is going on with a lot of Joanna Newsom's music. Um, and as someone who knows nothing about musical theory, it was super informative. And uh, he explained in a way that was like really direct and easy to understand. So thank you so much for that. Thank um, you so much, Av. Thank you. Yeah. And I think the just a couple notes on Cosmia that I made from that video was that Cosmia starts in B minor ninth and G major 11th. Um, and what that means is just like any numbers greater than seven means that it's like a really weird chord. I've described it as like wild and mystical with like Ooh. a lot of extra notes. Um, and we can hear that in the uh, in the introduction to the song for sure. It's like that do 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 and it's really contrasted with the um, instrumental part around and all those lonely nights down by the river, which doesn't oh, yeah. have those ninth and eleventh chords. Um, and as That's cool. well, it is. Yeah, it's really really cool to think about just the structure of that. And also, I've noted, and I didn't notice this myself, but like the the introductory lyrics to Cosmia are a haiku. Uh, oh, when you ate, I saw your eyelashes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, what's haiku again? So the first line is how many syllables? Uh, when you ate, I saw your eyelashes. Is that nine? And then saw them shake like ate. wind on rushes. Eight, five, seven, five. Five, seven, five. When you ate, I when you saw. Ate, I saw. Your eyelashes saw them shake. Oh, yeah. Okay. So when you ate, I saw your eyelashes, your eyelashes saw them shake like wind on rushes. I guess it's so it goes structure. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But really cool. I wouldn't have noticed that otherwise. I never would have noticed that. That's super cool. Mm -hmm. um, one, as we're talking about musicality stuff here, I, um, in reading the thorough as hell, wonderful, really brilliant essay by Rachel Hoddle. Um, uh, she wrote that, um, can't need to read this directly because I just don't know music well enough, but she says that these opening chords, I believe, that uh, Joanna's playing here, um, I didn't write the exact chords down, but she was saying that like they circle um, so the repetition of the chords is sort of like a circle. So it goes up and then comes back down and then up and then back down and up and back down. And she had made the observation that it sort of mirrors the way that a moth might circle a light or oh, a torch cool. or whatever. Um, so I thought that was super, super, super I cool. I really like that. Yeah, me too. Where do we go next? I have a bunch of notes on moths. Um, okay. I'm sure you do too. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> Let's first, before we get to moths, just like a real quick note that I've said this like with a bunch of the other songs, but um, as I've mentioned before, Cosmia along with Sawdust and Diamonds, those two songs are the only two songs that were written without um, Joanna knowing that there would be an orchestra involved on East. Right. And so with Sawdust and Diamonds, I guess what happened was like she wrote it without orchestration in mind and then just never inserted orchestration in it. But with Cosmia, like there is orchestration on the album. And I think that like, fuck, it's impressive that like yeah. that is just an afterthought because the orchestra is like the, it's such a good part of this song. It's so, it adds so much to it, yeah, especially it really on the, um, 
the East Street Band version, the uh, EP. Do you know that version, Sam? I do, yes. Yeah. So good. And like the orchestra is so, I don't know, like it's more obviously present there to me, I think. I think it's a longer version too. I think it's like 13 minutes or something. Yeah, um, that would make sense then why it's uh, like a little more notable than um, yeah. than the album version for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, go to town with some moth <laughs> facts. <laughs> um, so first and foremost, Cosmia is a genus of moths. Um, it includes more than 25 species. Um, and a genus is just like a taxonomic category of um, of creatures within. Uh, and these moths have to be within the family Noctuidae, um, which are also commonly known as owlet moths. Um, cutworms or armyworms are the most controversial family in the superfamily Noctu. What did I say? Noctuidae, because many of the clades are constantly changing along with the other families of the Noctuidae. And I just really liked this point um, when we consider like the general idea, how pointed that idea of changes to this entire album, be mm-hmm. it like the changing of relationship with another human, like a piece of earth, an environment, a concept, a feeling, a movement, the void, blah blah blah. Um, and it brings me back to that one incredible submission we got from Selene um, and had they addressed that idea from Camus, specifically the contradiction of wanting to live despite knowing death. Yeah. Um, inspired by those lines from Emily, Joy, landlocked and bodies that don't keep. And this like general idea that our interpretation and experience in this world, in this void that we call a world is constantly <laughs> changing, shifting, moving according to the choices we make and um, how imperative that is to any of the relationships that we create. Um, As Seleni said, the constant asking and answering in Joanna's music, um, and this is a quote from them asking, what is the point of living if in the end there is death, forgetting and being forgotten, and answering that the point is joy, bittersweet, fleeting, but also enduring. Um, And just in terms of like centering those themes around a specific moth a specific creature is really interesting super interesting I, I that's a cool insight to make sam that you're right that it like really does um call back to um that very first song that we ever covered our very first episode mm-hmm. um actually there are a couple um emily references that i like picked up on or maybe made up uh, as I was reading the Cosmia lyrics. It's hard I mean, not to do that too, right? Like I find myself questioning like, is this a real reference or is this something that I'm I'm gleaming because I've spent so much time thinking about totally. this? Totally. <laughs> to be fair though, Joanna herself has spent a lot of time thinking about these lyrics. So like a maybe yes. she's on the same sort of way. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, no, we won't see actually. We'll just be left forever <laughs> speculating about it. <laughs> Um, uh, actually along those lines, one quick thing. Um, so I just looked up the name the just like the word Cosmia without mm-hmm. trying to like see moth symbolism. And at first I thought that it was an, a Greek name, but then I realized that the Greek name that was being described in this thing that I was looking at was Cosima, mm. which is very close, right? It's just moving the eye over. Um, and then I was like, okay, but what's the etymology of that? Because like Cosmia and Cosima both sound very much like Cosmos, right? So mm-hmm. I I think I couldn't find anything specifically when I looked up Cosmia etymology, but I do know that anything like C-O-S-M, like Cosmos or like 
cosmic or like, uh, words like that. Um, uh, so I looked this up. It was like, it's Greek for, it's from the Greek cosmos, which means world universe. And I thought notably in perfect order and arrangement. So the order and arrangement part gets brought up when we're looking at, um, uh, cosmos etymology mm-hmm. and it made me think a little bit I mean all of the cosmos shit just all over um Emily it right. made me think of that but then also it made me think of specifically the line um in Emily um though all I knew of the rote universe and so remember rote is like this like repetition this like predictable like sort of cycle I guess of things and just to invoke the idea of cosmos, which is to invoke the idea of this, um, this perfect order that exists on a universal scale. Um, yeah, it just made me sort of think of that kind of theme, those same kinds of like existentially thoughts and feelings that we were having when we analyzed Emily. Totally. I have a note here, just like tying similarly the word, Cosmia to cosmic, um, which is like, you know, the same kind of theme. Um, but when I looked for a definition of cosmic that I liked, my favorite <laughs> one was inconceivably vast, um, which just ties in so perfectly and beautifully with this concept of like the gravity of life and the wildness of the void. Um, cosmic can also mean very large or important, um, which I think can hold so many of the giant topics that we tried to cover slash provide trigger warnings for. Um, yeah. Um, as we worked our way through this album, but cosmic also very much means of the universe or space, which like you said, I think we've talked about in every single uh, episode so far, <laughs> yeah, probably so the too. most in depth in Emily and uh, monkey and bear. It's weird. Cause I didn't, before we like did this deep dive into East, I never thought of space as being that big of a theme on East. Like I thought for sure for Emily, mm-hmm. I think that's obvious, but then like the rest of the album, I never would have like thought that space is like plays this hugely prominent role but it totally does it comes up and like over and over again and like for the amount of time that in my life that i i've spent thinking about that meteorite meteoroid uh verse i I, like it it didn't make sense to me in like the broader themes of the album um until we did this deep dive for sure yeah i agree i have the exact same experience of that just like it comes together more Mm -hmm, exactly Um, Okay. Um, right. And so, um, I sort of interrupted you when you were talking about Cosmia or sorry, like Mm. Cosmia as in like the moth genus or whatever. I think the only other thing that I wanted to say was, um, like the specific species of moth that she's holding on the album cover is Cosmia trapezina, which range in color from yellow to dark brown. And this was like, I found a few different sources that like debated this, but one of the ones that I read was also well known for like their cannibalistic tendencies towards larvae of other moth um, mm. and to their own species in captivity. But then like another site that I was reading was talking about how like that's just like a general thing for moths and they just, you know, eat what they eat. Um, yeah. So that may or may not uh, be true. <laughs> Man, who would have thought that cannibalism might be relevant in like two different songs like Monkey <laughs> <Yeah>. and Bear <laughs> or yeah. like wearing a bunch of like furs and stuff uh, of other animals and then <laughs> Cosmia potentially. Yeah. Who no. knew? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> Not me either. Um, okay, cool. 
Um, I also, the only other thing I read about the, the um, specific genus of moth Cosmia is that it uh, is very commonly found um, among other places in California, which we know that California has a very special place in our narrator's slash author's heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought I'd note that too. I do just have a couple notes as well from listener submissions. Um, so just in terms of like general themes, um, the lovely M.M. Wright had sent us that uh, huge document at the beginning of this project and just noted that um, yeast contains five characters that recur throughout the record. This gives the album its structure. Some of those themes include old and new, um, nature and technology, et cetera, et cetera. And these themes kind of culminate um, in Cosmia. Cosmia is kind of like a wrapping up of all of these things, like a synthesis of those. Um, as well, ooh, from Jack, uh, Jack notes that Cosmia, the final song, is about the death of Newsom's childhood best friend. Uh, most of these lyrics are directly addressing this friend as Newsom recounts um, their memories with them, juxtaposed with like the current fluctuating state of grief. Um, and then just like the general themes and Corey wrote a little bit about this too, of water and light, um, that are fire and fire. Oh, so much fire. Yes. Um, recurrent throughout the album. Um, but that was a really lovely note as well. So thank you, uh, M.M. Wright and Jack and Corey. Thank you, M.M. Wright, Jack and Corey. Um, we ser- we love reading your guys's thoughts, um, mm-hmm. even if they're like half baked ideas. Send them our way. They're super. It's super cool to just to read other people's interpretations because we're only two people. Oh um, yeah, and I feel like this entire thing is a half baked idea. <laughs> like, right, exactly. We're really just showing up with the little bit we know and uh, hoping that yeah. it sticks. So <laughs> it'd be nice to have like a three quarters baked idea, you yeah, know, with more t- input. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um. The other thing that I wanted to note before we started, just I think this is a probably like an obvious thing, but I don't think I would have known this without Joanna, um, is just that moths in general, so not Cosmia moths specifically, but moths in general um, symbolize death, like across a bunch Mm -hmm. of different kinds of folklores. Um, And so it can either be like a harbinger of death, so like portending death in this very like ominous, like... In my head, it's like Poe, like a raven kind of way. Sure, yeah. Um, or it could be um, also uh, a symbol of the dead being present there with you. So right. in some uh, traditions, the moth is thought, if, if you see a moth present, um, it symbolizes that your ancestors are present. And it's like more of a comforting thing rather than this like foreboding ominous thing. So Um, I know that at some point Joanna had said that um, these like sort of dichotomous seeming at least like polarized ideas such as like fire and water and life and death and like love and hate and like whatever birth and death and whatever. All these different kinds of themes are all sort of present together within the album and without, um, you know, being able to say very clearly like over here is death and over here is life and over here is fire and over here is water. It's all sort of just present in like one package. And I feel like that's just, the moth is like a really um, 
cool microcosm of that idea because within one symbol, it is both representative of this foreboding scariness of death, but then also the comfort and love and um, this other side that death can bring um, or the presence of a dead one, I guess, could bring. Totally. Um, yeah, that's a really beautiful point. And I think makes sense a lot if we're talking about this as like the end of the album and bringing all of that together. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, one other very general point that like, I think I'm going to talk about later, but just, um, about moths, which is like the most obvious point that anybody could make about a moth is that they're attracted to light. Right. And so yes. like the very like paradigmatic idea of a moth being, um, drawn towards like a light bulb or a porch or something. And then like, I think of like this modest mouse lyric, also this like Oni DeFranco lyric, like the moths beating themselves to death against the light. Sure, um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it's both, um, again, culturally like symbolic of, um, moths can serve as like these guides sort of in the way that Emily did in Emily, um, this like guide to find your way out of the darkness because they're like light seeking things. Mm -hmm. But then also, um, like that danger of being too, I don't know, eager or something about finding the light such that like you end up killing yourself because you're fucking banging yourself up against this heat or dangerous thing such that you uh wreck yourself yeah um so i like thinking of those two sort of um additionally contrasting things and like the fact that moths use the moon to as like a navigation tool um, and just in talking about uh, all of these cosmic bits and pieces, how kind of potent that might be as well. Um, yes. And like the distraction of other uh, artificial sources of light getting in the way of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I really like that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The contrast between natural light and artificial light um, mm -hmm. is a cool one to keep in mind. Okay. <clears throat> Any more general points, Sam? I think that's all I have. I'm sure we'll circle back and forth as yes. we do in our very as unorganized fashion. <laughs> I was telling some people, uh, specifically Derek, that I was just messaging with. I was like, Sam's the organized one of the two of us. So like, I don't know what's <laughs> going on. <laughs> that's very generous. <laughs> it's not generous at all. Oh. I'm the most disorganized person that I, I don't know, that you're very organized Sam, and I appreciate mm. all of the work that you do for the podcast because like I uh, it's not me you. keeping track of shit <laughs> <laughs> okay okay I lied I have one more uh Yay. one more point I was just looking at like um mentions of uh moths in the bible and mm. I think the two that may or may not apply because my biblical knowledge is very small um but from Matthew 6, 19 to 20, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroys and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. Um, so just kind mm. of this idea like uh, of like that fleeting state of life and like there's no reason to... Um, kind of hoard those treasures on earth because shit's gone in a second oh that's um, cool that quote also made me think um 
just of the general like destructive force of moths sometimes. So not just in terms of them bashing themselves against the light, but in terms of like fucking up clothing and like, oh man, um, I think other stuff too. I don't have enough like <laughs> just knowledge of how the world works, but I think they can like fuck up things that aren't closed to just by like have you Have around. you ever had them like in your cupboards no. in your kitchen? Oh my God. So <laughs> you get one little moth. I think they're moths. I think they're like little cupboard moths. We had them in our old apartment and they get into absolutely everything. Like, like they can, food? Like food. Like yeah. if they're in one package of rice, they're in all of your lentils, oh. they're in all of your beans, like they're in your chips and you open things up and they flutter out and it's disgusting. Oh, that's horrible. Oh, that's it's, so bad. Yeah. it's And they're really hard to get rid of too. Like we had to do a couple really good deep cleans to get to get rid of them for sure. Um, but then we moved. So, <laughs> so, <you never. laughs> so they're gone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yes. Okay. So I did not know that the moth, that moths were mentioned in the Bible. So yeah, thank I you so much for that. One more. Of course. From Job 419. It, this, they're mentioned more than this, but the uh, moths are mentioned more than these two instances in the Bible. These are just the ones that I thought um, maybe were the most applicable. Mm-hmm. From Job 419, how much more those who dwell in houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust, who are crushed before the moth. Oh, um, clay. And, and dust. And dust. That's right. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we'll get into that. Yeah, and also just like clay's death association for joanna mm-hmm. um yeah very cool. much so um okay if you are ready we can dig into these lyrics here i am ready would you like to start i forgot to pull them up on this new computer oh, yeah. that i had to be at no problem um so i'll just do the first four lines i think to start um yeah. so the song begins when you ate I saw your eyelashes, saw them shake like wind on rushes. Um, okay. I think the image that this this gave, this brought to me right away was just like someone, if like if you're watching someone eat and they're like leaning over their plate, um, the observer's kind of like watching them while they're focused on being nourished. So like maybe this is just a call out to like savoring those small movements, like those small joyful deal, uh, small joyful details in this like hectic and yes. unpredictable life. Um and also that we immediately have at least two characters. Um, yeah. There's an I uh-huh. and a you right away. Who Man, they are, we don't know. But I love that you brought up just the, fir- the very first thing you said about this. I'm like so into because <laughs> I felt like this might just be me sort of like being weird about it. But I'm so glad that you have this same sort of like thought-ish, which is like this vibe of like whenever you have like these moments sort of where you like zoom out of your own life a little bit, like you pull out or like, and like zoom in simultaneously almost like when you're just like looking at someone you love and noticing their like human, like fragile slash like temporary animal selves. Like you're Mm -hmm. looking at like someone you love's eyelashes. Like that's such an intimate thing. And then you can like look really closely and you're like, man, these like little lids like serve a function and like they're supposed to like keep sand out of their eye. Like, yeah, I don't know. Just like this very like present feeling of like being there with someone and then seeing their both like vibrant, alive self, as you said, being nourished. And then also like what comes with that is this like vibrant, alive self, vibrant, alive self being vulnerable to mm-hmm 
not being alive anymore. And eating is very much a vulnerable thing too, right? Like to, yes. I like I know my like my cat when I feed her. Um, at least when she was a kitten, I had to like sit beside her while she was eating and like pet her bum a little bit so that she would like continue to eat. And even now, when I feed her, she like sticks her little butt up for a little <laughs> a little pat so that she can keep going. And it's like a very uh like her head is down, right? She's not like you're not able to defend yourself while you're eating. You're focused yeah. on that. Um. Yeah, yeah, so a very sweet start to what is like, I can't say the most tragic song on the album, but maybe. But among the most tragic songs in existence. So. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yes. um, exactly. It's this very vulnerable start. Um, I also thought maybe worth mentioning was this um, point on Genius mm-hmm. that said that the first thing that it brought to the annotator's mind was um, the like fuzzy... I wish that you guys could all see a picture of this, but like these like fuzzy antennas, antenna, Mm -hmm. antennae that uh, moths have that very much look like eyelashes, but are like these like, yeah, antenna. Um, And this like, sorry, this like specific uh, moth that Genius Reference was called Kalami. Is that the same one? Kalami? Kalami? (sighs) Probably. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think that's like a cool, if that's what it's supposed to bring to mind or like at least, you know, something that it brings to mind for someone, I think that's a cool sort of like foreshadowing of equating whoever this character is here with the person who died. Um, as we've said before, uh, on the podcast, like we don't want to be talking about Joanna's like biographical information too much. Yes. Um, like However, like as um, one of our listeners pointed out, and then also I think just is sort of like common-ish knowledge or like common-ish stuff that is thought to be knowledge. Um, I don't have a position on whether it's true or not because I have no idea. But um, like on uh, the album, the inscription on the on the uh, like inside cover of it is, um, I think, Dear Cassie, like for Cassie, maybe in July. Um I was having recording issues and so I left my album by accident in the other room, but I think it says something like that. And, uh, you know, it is also, um, it was like recorded on this, uh, this, this video, video recording, I guess, of, um, like Joanna having to have left a tour because one of her childhood best friends died. And like, the only reason I feel comfortable saying any of this is just because she has like explicitly talked about this in interviews. So I think that it's fine. Um, it's a thing that happened to her. And uh, I don't want to say that this song is only about that because I think it's about right. this like larger concept of death and mourning and grief and depression and all sorts of things like that. But um, we know just based on this first line, this first verse that there is some sort of like closeness there, this like very tender human loving relationship between the narrator and the you um so yeah yeah and I I very much agree with you that like this I think that this song more than any of the other ones was hard to analyze because I don't want to like overstep my bounds and like dig so deeply into someone's private life in that way like I tried very much in my research to remind myself of the narrator and like tried to place this as a separate experience from 
um, whatever our author may or may not have um, experienced, but it is a really, really emotional song. And this first verse is, you know, you immediately see that the you and the I are very close. Um, yeah. Like to notice details like that um, in someone is is really intimate. So yeah, there's that. Yeah, intimate's a great word for it. It really is intimate. Like it's just this very loving, like you don't with strangers notice the way that their eyelashes flutter, right? You only do that when you're comfortable enough with someone to like have sat there and like been with them and to be like really present with them and not focusing on like, what should I say? And like, how yeah. do I respond in a socially appropriate context? <laughs> like, you know, that has to all be gone in order for you to notice someone's eyelashes very fluttering in the so. wind. Um, in that genus, 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 genius, <laughs> <laughs> that genius note. Um, so the fuzzy moth that they referenced was Kalami or Kalami. And I just noted that, like how close that word is to calamity, uh, meaning oh. an event causing sudden and great damage or distress. Um, and then putting like these two ideas together of like loss and um, a great, a great event, um, Cosmia and Calamity. They like synchronize, synchronize this image event. They synchronize this image of an event which causes such like intense and immediate distress to a length that is like otherworldly or celestial. So if we, mm -hmm. knowing that this song is about a great loss, I think that really makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And even just, I, I really like that, um, that you looked up the meaning of the, or like the, the sorry, the closeness of the word um, mm -hmm. calamity to what's the moth's name? Calami, C A L A. Calami sounds too much like clammy, so I don't oh, want to well. say that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry, or like salami. Oh, even worse. <laughs> um, like yeah. a slow, low flying turkey. <laughs> um, C A L turkey. Yeah, hilarious. Um, C A L A M I. Uh, oh yeah. I had. So I think it's cool too that like the. Um, concept of calamity is also very much in this like diametric contrast with the etymology that we were talking about before of cosmic right which is like mm -hmm. perfect order and like not calamitous at all mm -hmm. exactly um, yeah. so again these like sort of opposing forces being present at the very beginning of of cosmia if that is in fact what's going on then the only other notes I had for this first were just like, uh, where else rushes have been mentioned? So we know yeah. an only skin roaring along among the reeds, among the rushes. I heard your song before my heart had time to hush it. And then I also tied in um, from Emily, um, like the idea of the wind uh, stirring the wind chimes in the mm -hmm. morning. Um, and I couldn't find any other mentions of wind in this album, at least, at least not in like uh, such a direct way. Right. Yeah. Just off the top of my head, I can't think of any either. Either, but um, but yeah, the um, other mention of rushes I think is interesting because rushes is just not a common thing to describe mm -hmm. in a song. It's not as though it comes up either before or after this album in Joanna's music, as far mm. as I can like remember off the top of my head, even. Mm -hmm. Um, but. Um, I looked up just some, I mean, first of all, just like the very straight up, the straightforward metaphor of um, someone's eyelashes shaking the way that wind makes rushes shake. Mm -hmm. I really like that. It's just like a beautiful um, image. But if there is another layer to this going on, I also looked up like rushes uh, symbolism. So rushes, um, 
I think in the way that might be relevant here are plants that grow on riverbeds. Um, So of course, like this water theme that is just ever present throughout this album and like will often even grow inside of the water and just sort of poke through the surface of the water. Um, And the symbolism that I found at least, and like this also got me thinking of like how, who determines what symbolizes what? How does someone know to invoke rushes to be like, ooh, I mean, by this purity and innocence, who knows? Yes. But uh, according to the internet, rushes symbolize um, uh, the uh, yeah purity and innocence of childhood, but also its decline and loss when children reach maturity. Jeez. It's like and so I th- perfectly pointed. <laughs> exactly. Too, right? Exactly. So I think that might be like a pretty big theme uh, throughout the song and album. Um, yeah. I think that's all I had for this first verse. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have anything else? Nope, not for the first one. Okay, so let me get, uh, let me continue here. So then she writes and sings, In the cornfield, when she called me, moths surround me, thought they'd drown me, and I miss your precious heart, and I miss your precious heart. Oh, I just yay. have a sad face. It's, it's super it's sad. First. I know. This song is like weirdly hard to talk about just because of that deflated feeling that it gives you. You're like, yeah, you know what that means. Like, she's very good at just like evoking this straight up emotion with these words. And I did most of my research today. And today in Vancouver, it was a rainstorm of quite epic proportions. Like it usually doesn't rain super hard here. It's like a constant drizzle or a constant fog. But today it was the wind (laughs) was going like it was wild. Um, And so to have that like intense gloom happening at the same time that I was researching, this was really intense. That sounds super intense. It, it sounds I kept super the intense. lights off in here too all day too. So like I was very grateful when it was time to record. I was like, okay, you can like <laughs> put the lights on and like <laughs> chill out a little bit. Stop. So like, you are inside of a fort right now. So I don't know how light yeah. it is inside of there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Sam has really high ceilings. So she puts, she builds a tent every time we record and it's I love it. I don't know how much she loves it, but I love it. I mean, yeah, it's, it helps with the sound quality, I think. So <laughs> that, that's the goal. I just love the idea of us being little children and having forts together and talking, like just oh, sort of totally. secluded from the world. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah, I mean, the first note that I have about this, and this is another song, by the way, too, where I just feel super not confident about any of the like, um, links or interpretations or like associations that I personally draw from this. So it's Mm -hmm. just stuff that brings, that comes to mind for me, but like, I am in no way saying that Joanna had this in mind as she was writing this beautiful song. Um, but, uh, so when I think of in the cornfield when she called me, I mean, two things. The first cornfield um, really reminds me of uh, in in California, my heart yes. is yellow as an ear of corn. Yes. Which like obviously she's not referencing because that is in the future from when this album was written. And, mm-hmm. and this song in particular was one of the first songs that was written on this album. Right. So I think the song was probably written in like 2005 ish. Um, but I think that the, the way that it might be relevant is that in that line, she's saying my heart was. Um, is yellow as an ear of corn and yellow in that way symbolizes sort of like purity and innocence and 
um, like inquitness actually, like um, calling back to only skin for a second. And I think that one thing again, like trying to steer away from the biography stuff, but um, one thing she has said in the interviews is that this was her childhood best friend and that I believe they had like sort of like, you know, just in the way that people do like grown apart a little bit before her friend's death. And so I don't know, in the cornfield when she called me, it could be like this moment or this like innocence before she's confronted with this death that sort of destroys innocence. It's really hard to maintain a childlike um, innocence after being just hit with that kind of news. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also had uh, tied it to divers. I just like to think of corn and I was uh, texting with Alicia about this all day too. And this was her, her note as well that like, um, in time is a symptom, one ear of corn and silent reaping joy of life. And I just kind of like to think for myself of corn throughout her albums as just kind of like tying back to maybe like a small reference to this friend or just like remembering that innocence of their early times in like a very, very sweet way. A super sweet way. And also too, like in time is a symptom that refers to, I think, this like these like ancient uh, I want to say it starts with an e like elucidian cult rituals or something like that but basically it's like mystery rituals such that like it's like secret right and yeah she says in in silent reaping mm-hmm. or like secret did she says secret keeping at some point in that song? yeah that's another verse as well yeah yeah so there's something very like almost private and just not even private but like secret it's just like something we don't have access to and that sort of also brings to mind this we don't have access to like the dynamics of this relationship but we know it's a close one and a meaningful one Mm -hmm. um yeah that's cool though I like the theme of of corn of all things throughout the album (laughs) or throughout the albums yeah it's cool um yeah and then also the when she called me line Mm -hmm. like (laughs) First, I think this might foreshadow the like, will you call me when you get there line? Yes. Um, Because it's not totally clear. Like, is the you, the you is, I don't know, maybe the future person who might be passed away. Um, But it could also be people's theories on genius seem to be that it's like a literal phone call that she gets being like, hey, your friend has passed. Um. But it's unclear like who the you and who the she is. So mm-hmm. is she is she talking about two different people when she says, when you ate, I saw your eyelashes. And then when she called me, is like a different she mm-hmm. um, or a different person. We don't know that the you is necessarily a she. Uh, or is it the same one? And she's just like switching to like to whom she's speaking, to who, like who she's addressing all this to. I don't know. Yeah. And I had the note too. Is it like less of a literal call and more of like a feeling right um yeah and who is it that's bringing the news is it the person who's lost themselves right or is it like you said like a literal phone call um and like the in the cornfield just makes me feel like there's a certain she's at a certain distance from where she needs or wants to be yeah oh that's a good point if you're in the middle of a cornfield, you're probably not close to anybody with the hustle and bustle of anything. Yeah, exactly. And you do have to kind of like push your way, dig your way out of there to be able to reach that call 
yeah. um, or that person, which is so heavy too. Yeah, it really is so heavy. Um, yeah, and and it's also kind of and like we'll get there when we get there, but when she later in the song says, "Will you call me when you get there?" Mm-hmm. It's such a sad, sad, sad lyric because. If we are to assume that this person is dead, which I think is a pretty safe assumption in the song, um, the idea of being in the mindset, the headspace where you would say to someone who you're addressing someone who's died, will you call me when you get there? It seems either like the person is just like not mentally well, like they're not totally, they don't have a good grasp on reality Mm -hmm. um, because of this like deep state of grief or just like maybe... Uh, this like confusion of like how are we supposed to think of what happens to people when they die Mm -hmm. is there an existence that is there an existence that persists which again is a theme on emily um the very beginning of this album and to me that like the well you call me when you get there was also just like you know when you leave a friend's house and you're walking home or you're walking wherever and they're like can you just like send me a text and let me know that you arrive safely so I don't worry about you for the rest of the night um for me that was very much like let me know that you've arrived safely wherever you've arrived like right I just need to know that I need some kind of like reassurance that you're okay that you're okay exactly and which is even more sad because like on the one hand, maybe she's just addressing this person's like spirit or like addressing mm-hmm. whatever might happen to them after they die. But also it like very much is reminiscent of what you would say to a, a an earthly human who is here. Yeah. Like call me that, let me know that you're safe. And like the implication is like this person is not safe, right? They've, they've passed away. And it's like a habit as yeah. well, right? Yeah. Like I know when I leave my best friend's house, it's a rule that if I don't text when I get home, you panic. Like yeah. in that 40 minutes that I've been walking from your house, something's, something's gone, wrong. gone wrong, knock on wood. Um, yeah. And yeah. and like you said, like the habit of like when someone passes away and you still get the impulse to like text them things or like you still want to be able to talk to them and you're like, oh, wait, like they're not just like out of my sight. Like they're no, Mm -hmm. they're no longer available to talk to ever again. Um, It's horrible. It's super sad. This is a very sad song. You guys, it's not fun. Uh, Yeah. What do you think about moths surround me? Thought they drown me. I think that drown is a super interesting word to use here. I mean, given the, prevalence of the excess of water throughout all of east uh like something that like characterizes the album she hasn't yet spoken of water at all directly but like the Mm -hmm. idea of drowning is something that requires a liquid in which to drown you don't drown with you like Mm -hmm. suffocate um as a result of like solid objects being put on you but um but I like this sort of mixing, melding of these um, images of this like solid thing that is sort of like rising up on her. I picture these moths just like literally just like like a tornado or something. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like with this whirlwind of fucking moths around you. But then she thought she'd drown from being exposed to the moths. That's a, it's just a cool juxtaposition of those two ideas and it made me think think of like the the drowning of the spiders in the drain and only skin and probably also in like the general uh yeast myth um uh is 
pushed or falls off the horse at the end of that one and is lost to the sea. Right. Um, and then in Sawdust and Diamonds, drop a bell off the dock, blooded out in the sea, drowning meat as a rock. Um, or like maybe like some reference to the bells that ring forevermore after the drowning um, of the city from the myth of yeast. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. And then all of the the water imagery that we talked about in only skin, like her having to trudge through water to get like to wherever she was going, like, you know, almost being, uh, pockets. So I could hardly stay afloat. Right. Like yeah, from the weight of them. Yeah. Right. So, um, totally it calls back to those things. I think. I did think I, I, I didn't write down where I found this one, but that the moth, um, can also kind of embody, uh, Luna as in like earth's moon. Um, oh. and then I just also noted, uh, the phrase like a moth to a flame, uh, in a way that shows oh. someone is strongly attracted to something. And I was like, like the desire and only skin, but oh my God, how totally. like those, the moths surrounding her body, um, are attracted to something in her and like are those moths like a final goodbye from her friend are they like bringing a message are they like a source of comfort um that i'm not sure of at all. i really like that thought though sam like you just made me think of maybe it's also just because of that phrase like a moth drawn to a flame mm -hmm. it could just be symbolic of like her just like intense desire like when someone passes or something like you just have this like insatiable there's like there's just no way of satisfying this this desire to have that not be the case right mm -hmm. like this like very it's like hard to even describe like this like desperate feeling of like no 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 but like that feeling can maybe be um sort of thought of as just like a desire um this like desire that won't be satisfied but it's like this <sighs> Yeah, this need or something for the person to not be dead um, mm -hmm. or for the thing in question to not be happening. So like that overwhelming feeling could just be symbolized with like these moths, this desire sort of like surrounding her and overcoming her. Um, from another blog, just some like superstitions about moths, that moths might be angels or doubled with the soul. Uh, I had noted if a moth surrounds a light, it could mean that the immortals are wishing the watchers well. Hmm. Um, that symbolically the moth is associated with the feminine energy of the moon. So Luna, um, mytholo mythologically referred to as the great mother goddess whose lover is consumed by his passion for her just as the flame consumes the moth. Oh, cool. <clears throat> yeah. Um, what do you think about the first mentioning here of I Miss Your Precious Heart? I know that you mentioned it in some episode that we've done already, but that just the idea that like um, heart doesn't necessarily mean a literal uh, beating heart within a body, right. but has been like extrapolated many times to mean any number of things, feelings, roles, um, and uses like synecdoche, the figure yeah. of speech when a part of something is used to refer to its whole. Um, yeah. so the note I have here just from genius is like that the heart might belong 
to her friend, um, but that it also might represent life on like a uh, physical level, like that the heart is stopped or gone, the friend is no more, but also as a powerful symbol of everything from inside of our literal human bodies. Um, And then like the the mention of precious to mean kindness, generosity, or whatever um, real life attributes this person might have had mm-hmm. um yeah. i really like that idea of both thinking of it as so like the way that is just most obvious to me i think to think of um your precious heart here is like i miss you <laughs> i just miss you yeah. right like i miss the yeah. way that you were i miss the kindness that you had and like the, whatever just everything about you i miss but then there's also this like as you said sam this like very literal humanness of saying like it's not just that I miss like I miss you being here with me in this Mm -hmm. embodied state rather than just the things that you that like my memory of you right like I miss your heart being beating here with me um yeah and then to me precious too is just such a like it's a word that makes me think of like how rare the thing in question is right and like thinking of my relationships with anybody like my friends or my partners or like whoever anybody that I love it is like you know you're so precious like you are like one mm-hmm. of a kind and like there it's so precious because there's no one that can like fill the hole of you right and yeah. it's I feel like we're gonna say this a thousand times like as many times as we said beautiful in the first episode but it's so sad <laughs> it really is so next she sings Dried rose petals, red-brown circles, frame your eyes and stain your knuckles. Dried rose petals, red-brown circles, frame your eyes and stain your knuckles. Um, I don't know what you got to say about that. Okay, so what I have to say about this, I'm pretty sure is wrong. Like, I'm pretty confident that it's wrong, and yet somehow it's still coming out of my mouth. It should but... just be the tagline for our podcast. We yeah. are probably wrong. Yes, man. It's like, like always with the disclaimer <laughs> at the beginning. You just put, and also this is all wrong. Yeah. Um. Yes. Okay. So what this brings to mind for me is a little bit like the like ring around the rosy um like song mm-hmm. and okay so i have done research because of researching cosmia on ring around the rosy mm-hmm. and i have since learned that this like myth about it is is most likely false but mm. i think it was like pretty widespread belief um uh and like is still widespread belief that this song is very much about the bubonic plague so the ring around the rosy, um, ring around the rosy, a pocket full of posy, husha, husha, we all fall down. Or like in other versions, it's like a chew, a chew or something. We all fall down. But mm-hmm. um, did you learn it with husha? I think I learned it with ashes, ashes, we all fall down. Oh, okay. I, that sounds familiar, familiar now that you say that. But um, the idea is that it's supposed to be plague and death reminiscent because um, – people would get a rash from the bubonic plague and so when they say like a ring around the rosy it would be like a literal ring around the rash which was characteristic of the rashes at the time okay. uh pocket full of posies posies were used um just sort of it didn't work but people thought that it worked to fend off the plague posies mm-hmm. and then husha husha we all fall down or like whatever ashes ashes or a chew a chew or whatever 
um, is like people all dying then <laughs> from the plague, <laughs> right? So it's like very dark. Um, it's since been shown to not, well, probably shown at least to not be about that just because there are like different versions that don't have those same connotations. But all that would matter is that like whether Joanna had that in mind and like, I have no idea. Like, I feel like it, like it's very, it's a very tenuous loose connection, but the idea of, um, the thing that like brings it to mind for me is just like the roses, the dried flowers, the red brown like circles being like rings around the, I mean, in this case, the eyes, but also uh, the rings around the rose, rosies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just like if it is a, if it were about death, then there's like this death theme. Um, but yeah, what do you think about this verse, Sam? Um, so to continue the pattern of um, tying in Greek myths, um, I jotted some things down about Aphrodite and Adoni. Um, I think we mentioned Aphrodite in the Sawdust and Diamonds episode because I remember saying that, oh, my cat's so cute, some of the <laughs> symbols, <laughs> she's just sitting here yelling, um, some of the symbols relating to her include uh, myrtles, roses, doves, sparrows, and swans. Mm. Um, so Edoni was the son of Mira, who was cursed by Aphrodite with insatiable lust for her own father, um, King, King Sin. Sinrius of Cyprus, after Mira's mother bragged that her daughter was more beautiful than the goddess, Mira was driven out at, after becoming pregnant and changed into a mere tree, but somehow still gave birth to Adony. Um, Aphrodite found baby Adony and brought him to the underworld to be cared for by Persephone, who, if we remember, was the daughter of Zeus and like the roundabout, I didn't know the story, but like the roundabout queen of the underworld because she was abducted by Hades um, and brought to the underworld. Um, so not the queen of the underworld by any choice of her own. Um, but was also, uh, Persephone was also the goddess of spring flowers yeah. and vegetation. Yeah. Um, so Aphrodite returned for baby Adony when he was fully grown. And apparently he was like this beautiful, beautiful man. Um, and I guess because he was so beautiful, both Persephone and Aphrodite went to, oh, you okay over there? <laughs> you may have knocked over the printer. It's what? not my printer, it's David's, and I feel bad. You can fix it. Yeah. <laughs> Oopsie. <Oops. laughs> um, I'm so, so sorry. Okay, yeah. No, it's fine. <laughs> um, so both. Persephone and Aphrodite wanted to keep this beautiful, it's unclear if he's like fully grown, um, if he's like a man or like a young boy still, um, but he's so beautiful, he's so handsome that Persephone and Aphrodite both wanted to keep him and a custody battle ensues. Um, so Zeus is the one to settle this battle and he decides that, um, Adoni will spend a third of the year with Persephone, a third with Aphrodite, and then the rest of the year with whoever he chooses. Uh, Adoni was partial to Aphrodite, so he chose to spend that extra third of the year with her. Um, and these details were a bit muddled in the stories that I was reading, but... Adoni was out hunting one day and was killed by a wild boar, um, a wild boar that may or may not have been sent by Ares, who was, I believe, Aphrodite's brother, 
or by Artemis, who wanted revenge on Aphrodite um, because Aphrodite killed one of her devoted followers. Mm. And then as Aphrodite mourns Adonis' death, um, she, number one, causes anemones to grow wherever his blood fell, but in mourning also cuts herself on a white rose and stains that rose with her blood, oh. um, turning it red. And I guess like forevermore changing um, the colors of roses, um, which I just thought was like maybe a very loose connection, but an interesting one nonetheless. <clears throat> yeah, um, absolutely. An interesting one nonetheless. And like this verse is just cryptic. Like I don't know what the part is that stains their knuckles, but like I like the connection of the like red brownness of blood and the staining that are both mentioned in this verse um and as you said these characters have come up previously Mm -hmm. um we think at least you know um yeah and i mean the other thing i read on genius is just like very like straight up (laughs) like this is super brutal to talk about but like the whatever, like roses or like flowers that one would have at a funeral um, that you might throw like on a coffin. And then like just awful, but like the red brown circles around one's eyes if they are dead. And same thing with like your knuckles. Like, you know, if your knuckles get like really cold or something and then like they sort of look more red, that might Mm -hmm. be what a dead person. I I don't know. I'm not I I have no idea. But sort of the other thing I have is that just like dried rose petals are red brown circles like it's it's yeah um but the similar to what you said like the maybe there's symptoms of an illness or maybe linked to whatever our narrator was doing in the cornfield which i doubt i think it's probably more related to like the state of death body as, as death yeah yeah um I think that genius also noted just like um the use of dried rose petals as something that lacks water uh, in stark contrast to like mm. the obviously heavy themes of water throughout the album lacking water maybe as in lacking life in some sense um right um oh that's cool that like water symbolizes life even though it's like this very threatening thing throughout the whole album it like, is and the i don't lack think of it is shitty too yeah, and it's like it's like the heart symbolism in this album too, right? Like it's not like water means life throughout the whole thing, right? Um, at all. So right. eh, I don't know about that. Yeah, but there's still this um, this like contrasting forces vibe with like in the same way as in Only Skin, we were talking about like the fire, like it, both its presence and its absence are bad mm-hmm. in some way, and I guess like. <laughs> more glass half fully like good in some way right so like the presence Mm -hmm. of fire being like the desire that one might have but then the absence of it being and and so and like sorry on that same uh train of thought like the absence of desire is a shitty thing uh but then on the other hand like you want to clear the room when there's a fire you want to get out of the way of the fire because it's a dangerous threatening thing here that might be the same thing with water this like contrasting um a diametrical force from fire which is like when it's here it's bad but when it's gone it's bad too so when it's here Mm -hmm. like life is overwhelming and really hard and like you uh, are struggling to keep your head afloat but then when it's gone like it's really hard too. life life is gone Mm -hmm. um i don't know i like that that comparison 
Okay. So do you have more things to say about this verse that we're on or should we continue? I think the last thing I have about rose petals uh, is just that like the, the possible medicinal use, uh, like as a mild sedative, antiseptic, oh. anti-inflammatory treatments for wounds, bruises, rashes, and incisions may help soothe and calm the nervous system. Um, but I don't know if that has any pertinency here. Um, it's like um, when we were talking about medicinal uses for flowers in Emily. Mm -hmm. uh, so if Joanna knows about this stuff, cool. If she doesn't, we're off base. But um, I don't know. I was reading this interview with Joanna where she was like with the interviewer and just like showing off, like not showing off on purpose, but like talking about all the different bird species that might be present at any given time and like why they weren't currently present in front. I'm like, you know what? You do know as much as I attribute yeah. to you. You know so much. Yeah. So it would not surprise me. And I was thinking me. about this today, like how I only believe now having done this deep dive that every mention and every link is intentional and that like yes. any link that I can find, she likely put there yes. for us to find. <laughs> God, man, I feel, oh, I'm so happy you say that here, especially <laughs> because this next verse, um, we'll talk about the punctuation in a second, but mm -hmm. I sent my partner a text with like, a screenshot of the punctuation on this particular paragraph. And I was like, what does this mean? And he was like, Nikki, like you need to just accept the fact that sometimes it means nothing. She just did it because I'm like, no, you don't understand. You don't know anything. Like it's, she's not like that though. Um, and like, I don't believe that she is ever like, I read an, an interview to like uh, a bunch of them for this one too. And like, she outright says like, I'm not going to explain this to you guys. Yes. Like I like to leave this open to interpretation, but I also think that nothing happens without intention nothing is written nothing is sung without intention man. um man if she were fucking with us that would be the perfect thing to say to like make yeah. people be forever <laughs> interested in her music just like <laughs> totally. everything's intentional yeah. and like people like you and i are like well our lifetime is now going to be dedicated to <laughs> yeah fucking thinking of different interpretations for this yeah yes. I, I mean but i am with you so i think that it is intentional it means something and and she said a bunch of times too like even if people don't understand what it means like it's for me like mm -hmm. i mean she hasn't said this explicitly but like her mind is like fucking complicated enough such that like she can write these things for herself and be satisfied with that like accomplishment that is this just, just exemplar writing like I don't even know how to say it just the best writing I've ever seen no she's a genius she's a genius um and you're talking about like the uh the structure around like water in yes exactly so uh do you want to read that paragraph sure it is um and all those lonely nights down by the river brought me bread and water and then, uh, so I'm on JoannaNewsomeLyrics.com and it's in brackets, water, comma, in, period, bracket, semicolon. Yeah. But though I tried so hard, my little darling, I couldn't keep the night from coming in. Yeah. And all yeah. those lonely nights down by the river, brought me bread and water by the kith and the kin. Now in the quiet hour when I am sleeping, I cannot keep the night from coming in. Yeah, exactly. So that punctuation there is what I was talking about. And I don't even think that it has to have any particular like in-depth meaning it's just i wouldn't have thought that it was written that way i guess mm -hmm. like I, I i there's no 
I have nothing insightful to say about it other than just that I think it's really, I really like seeing the way that she punctuates her sentences because it sometimes can clarify things for me. Um, Here's an instance where it doesn't particularly do that, but I wouldn't have spelt it or like thought of it this way myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will say that I did take, uh, honestly, the worst class of my uh, academic career was an English grammar class. Ooh. I took it maybe like a year ago now, and I remember absolutely nothing <laughs> from it. But it was like a three or three and a half hour lecture twice oh, a my- week. I twice a week, yeah, dude. That's was. so much, and it was only slideshows about grammar. Oh my god, and I would not be able to stay awake. I just can't. It was. I did. I found my apartment while in that class. Like I apartment <laughs> hunted the entire time. It was rough. Um, so I can't say that I remember a lot from that. Um, but brackets are used to like. And close words to separate them from whatever context yeah. um, they're in. So mm-hmm. inside those brackets is water in. Um, and I'm not sure how to analyze that. I mean, me either. So, um, um, okay. So like, the, the sorry, to like in order for my like head to be clear enough to think about the water in part, just quickly to get out of the way unless you have more mm-hmm. things to say in which case of Mm-mm. course but um um the lonely nights down by the river you brought me bread and water part so uh, you have two distinct thoughts about this first is just we had talked about this in, in per- perhaps more than one episode but definitely some previous episode um how like joanna herself uh has said that in order to like commemorate the end of her childhood And to like mark the beginning of adulthood, she had this like literal three day sort of meditation slash like, I don't know what retreat by the water where she just like sat by a river by herself. And she had like a bunch of activities she had brought for herself to do, but she just didn't do any of them. She just sat there Mm -hmm. for three days. Um, And so to me, at least it might be these lines might be referring directly to that. Um, and she had said in whatever interview I'm talking about that her, from uh, New York Times Magazine from beautiful. 2010. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, see, Sam is the organized one, you guys. I'm telling you. I happened to have that window <laughs> open because I read it earlier today. <laughs> um, but yeah, she like said like literally my friends would bring, bring me rice and water um, and to like keep me you know alive. Mm-hmm. And so this has always made me thought of that. I think that the the way she phrases the you here um, in contrast with a following line is important. So let's just put a pin in the idea that she says, you brought me bread and water and then in parentheses water in. Okay, sorry. So now. Oh, wait. Do your lyrics say you brought me bread and water? Yeah, but I'm on genius, which I think is less reliable. So oh. does yours just say brought me? Yes. I think that's probably how she sings it. Can I go get my lyric booklet? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'll be right back. Yeah. So the first time she says it on the record uh, booklet, um, and all those lonely nights down by the river, you you brought me bread and water, and then exactly how we said it was punctuated. And then we'll get to the way she says it. Yeah, actually, later on the on, so in a skipping a paragraph ahead. 
She later says, in all those lonely nights down by the river, I was brought my bread and water by the Kiffinikin. Um, I think she sings it slightly differently, though. Um, yeah, so the lyrics I have are as sung yeah. um, on yeast, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, but what did you think about that uh, use of punctuation there? I don't know. It sort of just made me think of like um, – and like again i'm super not at all confident about this particular thing but um the parentheses here make me sort of want to zoom out a little bit and to picture the water comma in period inside of the parentheses at the end of this verse as Mm -hmm. being um kind of like this zooming out and being like, hey, you've just listened to this entire album. <laughs> um, I mean, it's not that. I know the song was written before everything else. But like m- without it being like a direct reference to the whole album, that same sort of just like flooding feeling where she was talking earlier in this song about like drowning um, in moths. Right. Um, I don't know, though. I really don't know. It just reminds me of some sort of excess of water. Um, but I'm not sure. Do you have do you have thoughts about it? I mean, it just makes me want to switch around water in and in water, like in sitting beside, in sitting down by the river. Does she ever take her body and sit in the river? Mm. Is it like a reference to like um, the how the water was twisting and braiding in um, only, only skin? Um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't, honestly, I didn't pay that much attention to um, that punctuation. Yeah. Um, that's a cool thought that, that I never even considered that like it could just be referencing could be a weird the, the comma there, I think, might be something that's throwing me off in a way that it probably shouldn't be. But um, but it could just be like, as you said, in water. Um, I don't know. Not sure. Or like a reference to the drinking of the water, like mm. water, water in, in me. Mm hmm. Yeah. Or watering of something. Ooh. Um, like without the G, watering. Oh my God. I uh, love that. Watering, like nurturing. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot, Sam. I don't know. Me either. <laughs> okay. Um, did you read the, but though I tried so hard part? Yes. I went all the way to, I can't oh, yeah. keep the night from coming in. Right. Um... In the second, in the second repeat there. Right. Um, Before the white had gone away. Mm-hmm. Do you have thoughts about this? <laughs> I do. So the first thing that, I'm just going to fix my mic here. Mm-hmm. The first thing that it makes me think of is um, from Only Skin, like the dreams that the partner was having and how they were also trying to like, like, you know, they were having these uh, really vivid, violent experiences within their dreams, but then also um, sleeping through Mm. so much of what was happening. Um, So just kind of the references of night throughout Only Skin, that night, Black Air Blanks above the sea until the night is over, hold on, hold on, watching the bats 
uh, bring the night in from Emily, um, the rusty night, the rusty light on the pines tonight, snow in the nighttime. Hmm. Um, the fact that we see Emily by a river as well. Um, we row okay. through the nighttime. Paw points out the night, the constellations at nighttime. Um, and monkey and bear, they're trooping past the fields and farmyards at night. Um, it is deep in the night that monkey goes to find bear bathing with his, uh, shouldering his lamp. Um, bear mends her coat almost every night of the year. Uh, Sawdust and Diamond's Night isn't like explicitly, explicitly mentioned, but our narrator does very well dream. Um, there, uh, wasn't born from a whistle or milked from a thistle at twilight. We deserve no light. So there's this like that, the dichotomy of like light and dark. Yeah. Um, good. We know really it, good job compiling all of those different <laughs> references. That is impressive. Um, thank you. So we know at least from my interpretation of Only Skin that the night is where these uh, these dreams happen, but also that sleep is like a metaphorical escape for them. And I don't think in this song that sleep. I guess you know you know what it is kind of an escape for our narrator, but maybe one that is also. Um, not a very pleasant yes. place to be. It's something that you can do to kind of like stave off what's happening in the real world um, to kind of turn your back and close off what's happening. But um, like that is one very valid way to deal with grief. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also I couldn't keep the night from coming in is very much like I can't stop this thing from happening. Yep. Like this no bad matter thing. how this terrible thing. Yeah. Um, no matter how hard I try, it's not something that I can control, much like you can control literal time. Yes. Um, and then so just yeah. had to note, love is not a symptom of time. Time is just a <laughs> Oh, I love that song so much. I know, it's so good. So good. Um, okay, so the I totally agree with you, Sam. Like, thank you so much for that list of nighttime references throughout this album because I think that it really is a theme that – um, I don't know, isn't super obvious maybe, but like the, uh, again with these dichotomous, but there, I don't know the word for it, but like two diametrical ideas existing within one thing, whatever, mm-hmm. if there is a word for that, whatever that would be, um, here too, because as you said, like the night in, a whole bunch of songs is something that she has to like deal with, right? It's something mm-hmm. she has to like trudge through or like, you know, um, with her sister, she's like, you know, holding out for the morning and she is, um, like monkey is, or sorry, <laughs> I always call monkey bear. It's so weird, <laughs> but, uh, bear huh. is like killing herself at nighttime or like bathing at nighttime. And, but, but actually in that same vein, like the nighttime for bear is this like escape. Um, yes. This separation from the, whatever the rest of the world is. So there is this like darkness to the nighttime, which is bad and like from which you want to escape. But then there's also this escape from the rest of it that darkness provides. Right. So there's Mm -hmm. this, these contrasting forces and, here I sort of get the same vibe. So obviously when she's saying I couldn't keep the night from coming in, that sounds like a bad thing because it would be a weird thing to say to somebody if it were a positive thing. Yeah. Um, I couldn't keep this good thing from coming in. You mm-hmm. wonder why your friend wanted to keep this good thing from happening to you. But I think that it's also 
there's this like inevitability here that is described, right? So I couldn't yes. stop this inevitable thing from happening. Like we all know I'm going to succumb to you or like that, that is going to happen to us and that it is totally futile to resist. Um, and like this idea of her trying so hard to stop this, Mm-hmm. this inevitable thing from occurring is super heartbreaking too. the idea that she tried so hard to keep the night from coming in, but she failed. Um, it, it, it sort of just is evocative to me of this, I don't know, theme throughout this song, which is that like the narrator is bucking against the shit that life makes us deal with as like just yeah. being an alive person for long enough. Mm-hmm. Um, Yes. And then also just the use of my little darling here. <laughs> so like it's so tender, but it's also like it calls to mind too this again opposite way in which darling was used throughout Monkey and Bear, which is just this dark ass, like manipulative, not tender way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really love these like diametrical dichotomous binary themes being contained within this one either word or song or whatever element i know when we talked about only skin at least for me in the first few verses that like my interpretation was that like the coming of the dawn was like a respite for um the partner mm-hmm. But I don't think that's the case here at all. Like as much as like maybe you can't stop the night from coming, like waking up from whatever sleep, whatever restful hideaway you've created is not necessarily like a real escape at all. And like regardless of the night coming and you still have to face the sun rising in the morning and that's really fucking brutal. It is really fucking brutal. Yeah, that's a really good point to you, Sam, because like it's again like the fire being both good and bad. It's Mm -hmm. the night is both threatening and like when it goes away, you have to deal with the day. And like we get that vibe when she says later very soon, um, I'll sleep through the rest of my days. Like I I don't want to be awake and to have to deal with whatever the whatever it is that the day brings. Right. Like that's Mm -hmm. a thing in and of itself. Um, even just like living in this world as a person without you is so hard, is so brutal that I would rather just sleep. It's, that's such a heartbreaking thought, but (laughs) I think you're exactly right that that's what's happening here. Um, but kith and the kin, it just means like (laughs) back to the verse that we're actually talking about, um, (laughs) Uh, it's just like friends and relatives. So it's like people, loved ones. And I think it very much could mean like you said, she's on this retreat and like the family friends land for three days and three nights and people are bringing her um, sustenance, but also like maybe in like the aftermath of this cosmically tragic event, um, the people who are taking care of her and making sure that she, that our narrator is alive. Um, and doing those most basic things to keep herself that way. Yes. And again, highlighting the, the, this humanness of our existence, which is this body that needs to be nourished and needs to be kept Mm -hmm. alive in order for us to like keep communicating and like being in the way that in the plane that we exist currently. 
Um, But I am really curious. I think this was on Genius, but I'm really curious about this shift. So we've talked before about how any repetition in Joanna's songs seems it like raises a flag for me at least because it's just not something she does super often. And here there's a lot of repetition happening. So she's talking about those lonely nights down by the river. But then even though those first two lines are the same in these two verses, there's a difference in the way she finishes them. So in the first verse, she says, all those lonely nights down by the river, you brought me bread and water, water in. And then... Skipping ahead one verse, she then says, and all those lonely nights down by the river, I was brought my bread and water by the kith and the kin. So I think it was on Genius that I had read that someone someone had said something like, look, in this first verse, she's saying that you, probably the person who whose eyelashes she was watching at the beginning of this song, that person is the person who like nurtured her and took care of her. But then in the second the second time she repeats this series of lines, the you is gone from the equation now. She's brought bread and water by the kith and the kin, which like kith could include her um, uh, in like terms of it just meaning friends, right? But also mm-hmm. it could be like you, the person I've been singing to this whole time, are, are gone. Um, and so this just sort of like conspicuous absence of the you that was just mentioned just a second ago that was just there but is now gone like it might just mean like or it might bring to mind for people like life goes on even when you're not there and it's not necessarily a good or a bad thing it's just something that you have to experience after someone leaves and also that like this one person is not being replaced in any sense but there are others yes um yeah like even though this one piece of the puzzle is missing it doesn't mean that like the rest of it doesn't make sense yeah um yeah totally um and then also this in a very similar way um so you had read so okay hang on so now like switching the contrast of of verses i'm talking about um she first says um but though I tried so hard, my little darling, I couldn't keep the night from coming in. And right. then skipping a paragraph ahead, she then says, now in the quiet hour when I am sleeping, I cannot keep the night from coming in. So she first says, mm-hmm. I couldn't keep it. And now I cannot keep it. And I don't know what that means exactly other than that it seems like a an interesting to me change of tense. Um, mm-hmm. Like maybe like, When you were here, I couldn't keep this darkness from hitting us or I couldn't keep the darkness from affecting either you or me. And then the cannot being like this continuous thing. I cannot, it's still affecting me, right? Like I I cannot stop the darkness still. It's still a thing that I'm struggling with. So when you were here, I couldn't do it. And when you were gone, I still cannot do it. Yeah. Even without you, I still feel it. Yes. Um, And I'm really curious too, Sam, about the, oops. I'm really curious too about the significance of sleep um, that you had touched mm. upon before, but like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like here, here in this particular part, it's like a quiet hour where she is sleeping. So it really does feel like some solace or some escape. Um, but in only skin, 
like the sleep for the for her partner at least was like this like very scary thing where bad dreams happened and later she says like I'll just sleep through the rest of my day like this like sleep this like tradition of equating sleep with death Mm -hmm. which I mean may still be comforting Mm -hmm. and also the idea I think this was mentioned on genius as well that like sleep could just be um like another word for depression like just yeah in the way that like depression is felt the most when you are fighting against it but to kind of like give in to that is one way to deal with this grief in the past or in the present yeah um yes and like again i'm so sorry to keep heart like the just whatever railing on these like dichotomies were you but, gonna say keep harping and then you stopped it? yes <laughs> <laughs> i like that though <laughs> i didn't even realize that like that's what i was gonna do but yes exactly mm-hmm. <laughs> <Take you> more. <laughs> i like it oh shit it's good um <laughs> yes yeah, so i'm so sorry to keep harping upon these dichotomies <laughs> but i can't help it um so this um um, 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 what was I going to say? Uh, sleeping. I don't remember now. Uh, quiet hour. Wait, you had just said, do you remember what you uh, just had said? mentioned like depression and like the, the... yes, yes. Thank you. Okay. So mm-hmm. that the idea that depression can, um, both like depending on who it affects or even depending on like the time that it affects somebody, uh, that it can either make you want to sleep all the goddamn time or mm-hmm. it can make you not able to sleep, like affects your sleeping pattern such that you're always awake. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I thought that was maybe interesting. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to part one of Cosmia. We have one episode left analyzing the lyrics of Yeast, and we are not ready to let go. Um, so if Mm-mm. you have questions suggestions ideas shoot them our way um our email address is a hopeless endeavor podcast or a hopeless endeavor i do this every time a hopeless, no, a endeavor, hopeless endeavor at, at gmail.com. gmail.com the instagram mm-hmm. is a hopeless endeavor podcast yeah yeah and <laughs> professionals here um nikki runs our facebook group which is a hopeless endeavor the joanna newsome podcast please shoot us an email, um, a DM, whatever. Um, tell us what you guys think about anything throughout the entire album. All songs are fair game. We want to keep talking about this as long as we can. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. If you're still here, if you've listened to all of our episodes about these five songs, just like we want to send our sincerest thank yous. Thank you so much. Um, It's so much fun to do them. And to the person who left us a five-star review, Thank you so much. I like jumped up and down with glee reading that. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. Two of those five-star reviews are from me. So <laughs> if someone else feels it is One is, really is from me. <laughs> but man, if I could figure out how to do two, I would totally do that. I just don't know I how used to do my that. partner's phone. <gasps> Shit, man. I need to do that. I have a partner too. I can uh, uh, so hijack the system. <laughs> so if you'd like to leave us a review that's great if not don't worry about it because we're (laughs) reviewing ourselves 
But if you did, leave us a review. We're stoked on that shit. Yeah. Uh, it makes us, it just makes us happy, whatever. Totally. Um, yeah, but that was our analysis of part one of Cosmia. Um, we have only one part left of Cosmia coming up. Mm-hmm. So um, the next episode will be the last one on East. Again, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, thank you to those who have reached out to us in any way. And uh, stay tuned for next week's part two. Um, that's it for now. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye.